Well, a very pleasant, good Sunday morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of Legal Happenings. My name is John McCooley. I'm your volunteer host of this program, which comes to you as a public service of KRWC. Each week at this time, we present information that will be helpful for folks who are looking for court forms, maybe want to learn more about our court system, or what's in a law library. That's something I can help with as the former law librarian from Wright and Sherburne County for a number of years. And now we, again, just are reaching the general everyday public, the folks who probably know the least about our court system, but want to know more about it. This program will help you, help you understand uh, some of the issues involved. In fact, by legal commentaries by our district court judges, Gregory Geller and Stephen Halsey, from the 10th Judicial District. Uh, those commentaries are very, very helpful, practical, and useful in the sense that you can read and understand or listen and understand exactly what they're uh, referring to. Uh, for example, the cost of a ticket when you speed through a traffic uh, zone. That's a violation, of course, a $300 fine, as Judge Halsey had talked about. And last week, we had the NASCAR races, so we weren't available to you, but two weeks ago, Judge Geller talked about prisons in Minnesota and how they differentiate from penitentiaries, etc., to state reformatories, etc. That was a very interesting and informative message, and Judge Halsey had talked about the fact that family law divorces can leave some very sad memories for the children, and the judge explained how that can be minimized, and it was very helpful. Today, we're going to listen to District Court, excuse me, District Court Judge Gregory Geller talk about the role of police in shootings. And a little later on, District Court Judge Stephen Halsey is going to be talking about do not write the judge. You'll find that uh, to be very interesting, I think, and you'll understand why writing the judge is not uh, permissible for a number of reasons of which uh, the judge will explain. Well, let's see, coming up this day, I'd like to share some information on the Wright County COVID-19 statistics. That's, I don't mean to imply that people are statistics. I mean to imply that what is the trend? Are we getting any better here in Wright County? Are we holding our own? Where are we at? I'll share that with you and the website that you can go to to get all that information right here in Wright County. And I want to just take a few moments just to say thank you to our law enforcement throughout our area, Sherburne and Wright County, adjacent counties, all of them for that matter, but specifically for our Wright County Sheriff's Department that does a terrific job. Uh, there was an article in the, I think it's the Clearwater Tribune, Elk River paper, with a full two pages of uh, accolades for our law enforcement. And I think at a time, this is a good time actually to give them a, an accolade or two because they do a good job. And it's a difficult job. It's some sort of a profession that a lot of us, I don't think, could handle. My brother was a retired police officer from the Sheriff's Department in Macon County, Georgia, after 20 years in the Navy. And he uh, paid the price for being a police officer. That is, it cost him a couple of marriages. It seemed like it was a very trying and difficult job following the rules and doing the 
the thing that you are really trained to do, but at the same time never knowing whether you're going to be making it home that night. So we do salute those officers and remember that if you're in a dark alley and in a tough situation for where I'm from in the south side of Chicago and in the Garyland area, it's a tough, dangerous place. And, and knowing uh, that the police are around is a big help to me anyway. Of course, we were always taught not to go into areas that we don't belong and it makes good common sense. But at any rate, we do salute our sheriff's department, our sheriff, uh, and all of the officers in Wright County along with the Buffalo Police Department. When you see them, uh, remember that they have the power of the sword based on establishing government in our Constitution and that it means that they are there to protect and serve. Well, uh, what else would I like to share with you? Uh, the COVID-19 dashboard is available to you at the Wright County official website. It's their homepage. It lists a number of cases that have been cited here in Wright County. As of last Thursday at 1 o'clock when the weekly report comes out, Wright County had confirmed cases in the numbers of 1,019 since March. And in addition to the totals there, you'll also find a listing of the age ranges of all the cases that are uh, passing through Wright County. It looks like between 20 and 60 is running about 18% of all the cases reporting the COVID-19 are in that age group. So you might want to check that out. It's the Wright County official website and just Google it. And right on the front page to your left, there's a series of different departments from making an appointment at the courthouse to the COVID-19 dashboard, which you can look at through uh, your own computer. And of course, you can look at age groups and zip codes and some other things. It gives you a better understanding exactly where we are in Wright County. For an additional update uh, on the last Thursday's report, you can remember the COVID-19 report is from the Minnesota Department of Health on testing data. That's available too on their website. I think you'll find that kind of interesting because it'll help you if you're a parent and you're trying to understand what the 14-day case rate is and that, of course, is found at the Minnesota Department of Health School and Child Care webpage. That information is helpful to you to help understand your concerns for your children's educational needs. You need to know what is the trend and how it might affect our children. This website, by the way, has an excellent variety of important information from court information, what's open, what isn't. So you might want to check that out. It's the Wright County official website, and you can find them right on your computer. Well, we want to take a short break and listen to District Court Judge Greg Geller, who today is going to be talking about the role of police in shootings. This is Minnesota District Court Judge Greg Geller. Welcome to Legal Happenings on AM 1360 KRWC, radio for Wright County. A gunman entered a Florida high school and began shooting and killing students. 
outside at least one, perhaps as many as four sheriff's department officers, allegedly took cover rather than entering the building to confront the gunman. In the months leading up to the shooting, the FBI acknowledges that it received information about the gunman that should have prompted investigation, but that investigation never happened. A number of people have asked if the sheriff's officers or the FBI could successfully be sued for failing to act. The answer is clear, no. In order to be held civilly liable, a number of things must be proved. The most important, as it relates to these types of cases, is in proving that the person being sued breached a legal duty to the people who were harmed. Pursuant to long-standing legal precedent, this legal hurdle cannot be cleared. Law enforcement officers work for the government. They owe legal duties to the government, not to any member of the general public. While they have the legal authority to act, they do not have the legal obligation to do so. Law enforcement's lack of legal obligation to the public is most notably outlined in the 1981 federal case known as Warren v. District of Columbia. A more complete understanding of this tragic, disturbing, and horrendous case can be found on the internet. Following clear legal precedent, the court dismissed a citizen lawsuit claiming that the police failed to provide protection citing the well-established rule that police, quote, are under no general duty to provide public services, such as police protection, to any particular individual citizen, end quote. Accordingly, the sheriff's officers in Florida had no public legal duty to enter the school to attempt to stop the gunman, and the FBI had no public duty to investigate the alleged shooter. While many express outrage at these alleged failures, those failures will not expose the officers to civil liability. Plainly stated, the officers had no legal obligation to protect the children in the school, such as would subject them to civil liability. Now, it is true that the officers could be subject to discipline as it relates to their jobs. However, that discipline is internal to their own agency. It does not create a cause of action for those who were harmed. This further shows that any law enforcement officer owes a legal duty only to the level of government that employs them. FBI agents are obligated only to the federal government, sheriff's officers only to the county they work for, and city police only to their city. Regardless of these legal standards, many officers, perhaps most, and many private citizens too, would willingly and without hesitation enter a dangerous situation to attempt to help others. However, free citizens in a free society need to understand that the police have no legal obligation to protect you or to render you aid. Police work for and owe a legal duty to the government, not to any individual citizen. This has been Judge Greg Galler with Legal Happenings on AM 1360 KRWC Radio for Wright County. You're listening to Legal Happenings from KRWC. Thanks for the company. We appreciate you tuning in once in a while. I appreciate an occasional email from some of the folks. If you have a question, comment, or criticism, or something you'd like the courts to maybe address, an issue of public importance, of general importance, I invite you to write me at lawlibrarian at frontier.com. That's lawlibrarian at frontier.com. That's my website, and I'd be more than happy to send you 
any information that I can find. It's of common knowledge to those of us who serve the public. Attorneys, of course, know the law and know how to find it, but so many of the representative people who are doing their own uh, court papers, their own petition, they need all the help they can get because they don't understand the terms. And that's why the Minnesota website, the judicial branch, the Minnesota judicial branch website is the key website to go to here in Minnesota for information for self-help participants. By that I mean you can look up things such as jury instructions, what's it all about, maybe you have some e-filing you want to learn about, maybe you want to get a, a tutorial on a particular uh, subject matter, or perhaps you're thinking of a divorce or child support, establishing custody and parenting time forms. All of that is available uh, at the Minnesota Judicial Branch website mncourts.gov, mncourts.gov. You check that out and you'll be able to find just about anything you can find uh, that is available to people who are working on their own self-help pro se litigants, meaning that they're doing it themselves. And something that's very, very, very trying, but many people can't afford an attorney or choose not to get an attorney. But the information is available to you. In fact, as a law librarian, I remember that as he studied the different books and keeping a 6,000-volume library going, the number of laws and changes are unbelievable because court decisions are changing as time goes by and things change. Laws change, and so it's hard enough for those of us who work in it to stay current with the law, and that's why the public needs to contact an attorney if your situation is such that it's way over your head. And if you're going to be talking with an attorney or been served with papers, I just remind you to remember the Minnesota State Bar Association can also help, help you determine which direction you need to go and the uh, time frame that uh, is important to you. For example, if you've been served with papers, you want to get that matter resolved very quickly by contacting an attorney or, again, check with the State Bar Association. I'll give you their number, and you can write it on your refrigerator or something that you're expecting in the mail. You don't know about. Keep this number handy. It's 612-333-1183. 612-333-1183. for the Minnesota State Bar Association. They can help you, and they also have a, a website that can be of help, too. It's the help desk at mnbar.org. There are many great resources and aids to help you understand a particular issue. And goodness, we have many of them to understand these days. Well, it's time to take a short break, and District Court Judge Greg Geller is going to be talking about Please Don't Write the Judge. This is Minnesota District Court Judge Greg Galler. Welcome to Legal Happenings on AM 1360 KRWC, radio for Wright County. Is it ever a good idea to contact a judge to share information you have about a case that the judge is hearing? Sometimes people send in letters of support of or against someone charged with a crime. 
Other times, judges received letters in divorce cases to provide background about the family. Sometimes correspondence is received advising that someone that will be in court is particularly untruthful or dangerous. While the practices of individual judges may vary, the rules provide that judges can't consider or even look at such submissions. Our legal system is built on a concept known as due process. Part of that includes something called procedural due process. That means that certain procedures and rules are followed by everyone involved, including the attorneys, parties, court staff, and judges, too. Judges are prohibited from considering anything regarding a case that is not presented strictly according to the rules. Those rules provide detailed procedures about how information can properly reach a judge. Among other things, the rules require that notice be properly given to all parties and that time, service, and filing requirements be met. Any contact with a judge about a case for any purpose outside the strict boundaries of the rules, is prohibited as being ex parte. Ex parte is a Latin term meaning by, for, or on behalf of one party only. Judges, as neutrals, are prohibited from having any ex parte contact, except in the rarest of circumstances. A letter sent to a judge in advance of a hearing would almost certainly be an improper ex parte contact. Mail sent to a judge is normally first opened and reviewed by the judge's staff. If a letter appears to be an ex parte submission, staff members will typically inform the judge that the document appears to be an improper ex parte submission. Judges then direct their law clerks to return the letter to the sender with a note explaining that the judge cannot and did not review it. This does not mean the judges don't care about obtaining useful information about their cases. It only means that judges must strictly comply with the rules. If someone feels that they have relevant information about a case, they may consider contacting an attorney in the case who would be able to properly submit the information to the judge. Sometimes even attorneys violate this rule. Many think that they can send a letter to a judge as long as they also send a copy to the other attorney on the case. However, this is still an improper ex parte contact as it does not comply with the notice and service requirements of the law. Judges want to receive all relevant information that will help them determine a just outcome in each case. However, just outcomes are reached when judges receive information in full accordance with the rules of procedure. This has been Judge Greg Galler with Legal Happenings on AM 1360 KRWC Radio for Wright County. Thank you, Judge Galler. We thank you for your commentary today, as well as Judge Halsey's commentaries over the last five, six years. We are so thankful to have over 125 or so various legal commentaries that help people understand and know the law. And that helps understand the law before we get into it and avoid any what we might consider legal misunderstandings and procedural errors. That is all time consuming and expensive. So you really are fortunate to be able to have in your county a judge that would spend time to share information and knowledge that the court knows about and can make your life a lot easier as well. Uh, one one of the more impressive commentaries that I've heard of late was uh, Judge Geller talked about the cost of a DWI, driving while intoxicated, 
or impaired. It's interesting that the amount of money that it would cost for a first-time offense was approximately $15,000. Can you imagine that? That is one expensive drink or two. And driving is just not in anymore like it was years ago when I was a kid. But it's not safe. There's too many people on the road, and it's illegal. So be advised that uh, these commentaries are a public service of the station, and we thank the uh, station and Joe Carlson for helping us put together this program each week to share basic information. I'm not a lawyer. I'm just a fellow that worked in the law library helping people find the forms and under the direction of our good county attorney, Tom Kelly, who's been uh, really a spearhead in keeping information before the public. So if it's there, use it. Knowledge is power. Well, if you have a question or comment, please do call me or write at lawlibrarian at frontier.com. I'd be more than happy to send information to you if possible. And a reminder, too, that if you're having a domestic problem, if there's some really tough times, and these are tough times on a lot of families, remember there's a, Attorney General's ha, office has a great one-page flyer on rights and resources for victims of domestic abuse. It's a very helpful sheet of paper that can be of a big, I guess, a comfort to those of you who are struggling. There is some ways of getting help. And you can also be reminded, too, that there's a crisis nursery serving Wright County. They have a 24-hour crisis line number at 763-271-1681. They can help you uh, get the kids safe if necessary. And remember, too, that the county has a program called Safe Families for Children. They try to help keep children safe and free of violence. They offer support caring help and stabilizing some of these difficult situations, and they try to reunite families as best they can. Domestic abuse uh, is a, uh, a crisis line, rather, that you can call at 1-888-290-7590 for the domestic abuse crisis line. Rivers of Hope can also help a local advocacy for helping people reduce and eliminate family violence. And you can find them online, Rivers of Hope. And to prevent child abuse, remember to call 1-800-CHILDREN. So it's about all we can share with you today. Time is going quickly. We do hope that you're all uh, wearing the mask. I see more and more people are. And if we look at the statistics, it's those that are not wearing them appear to be having, well, more and more cases where they have to go in and get tested. And I don't know, we're just, uh, we're pretty concerned about that because we older people don't want to travel out and the younger people want to get to school. So it's the best possible thing to do is to wear the mask because COVID-19 is a extremely contagious disease. That's what we're hearing from the Minnesota and the National uh, Health Department. So they know best. Anyway, I wish you all the best until we meet again for Legal Happenings. This is John McCauley saying, I hope you'll join us again next week. God bless you all. Bye.